ladies and gentlemen, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and unbelievably, it is the last month of the year and the second last live episode of our season. Uh, so tonight, uh, tonight it's all about us, right? <laughs> tonight, <laughs> we're taking a look back, and you, our listeners, so we're taking a look back at 2021, our favorite episodes, our favorite guests, and some of the issues that faced us this year. We also are here to answer any questions that you have. We love to hear what if you had a favorite show or a favorite moment um, this past year for our live listeners. We would love to hear about that. Um, so if you have a question or we would love for you to join the conversation, you could send us a question to instudio101 at gmail.com and be part of our show tip with us tonight. That's right. That is right. I can't believe it is is like just the episode. It's I know. Episode 43 of uh, season seven or season eight. Um, now, 2021. Like, yeah. So yeah. Episode, we've done 43 shows, everybody. 43. Oh, my goodness. With two more that's, to go. That's pretty good, I think. I think so. And I think we've had, uh, like you said, some wonderful guests packed, filled uh, with information to get you growing and inspired. Uh, so hopefully, uh, yeah, you will enjoy this quick rewind and look back uh, yeah. as as we do, as we will. <laughs> yeah, because in some ways, it, like it went really fast. In other ways, it went really slow. Like, I, I mean, all like I find that across the board, like how can it's how can the week have passed already? But yet, oh, my gosh, the you know, oh, my gosh, that it's, you know, the, the months the like the month of November seemed to last forever so I don't know I don't know what the answer is there but uh but we're very thankful for all our listeners on uh, live show as well as podcasts and uh we just love you know hearing from you and 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 that's part of the reason we love the live show so much right Matt getting all those emails every week um and uh like last week we had uh, Sarah on talking about uh the garden journal and uh, we had a couple of listeners, uh, we were able to give prizes away. So two listeners, lucky li uh, listeners, Donna and Ralph were able to win. Um, so we, I hopefully we can do more of that next year. What do you think? I think we'll have uh, some cool merch that we will be able to go and get next year for sure. Excellent, sure. excellent. So, but if we're going to look back, we're going to look back. Um, we'll want to start next year or next year at the beginning next of the year. <laughs> Do we want to really look way back? Way back. Way back to uh, we just had one show in January, but we had a, several shows in February that were great. We had some great guests that that month, didn't we? We did. Um, we did. And I think our, our 
most notable guest or one of the most notable guests, not that we didn't have some amazing guests, uh, but Julia DeMacos mm-hmm. kept returning to the show. So she kicked off February with Growing Indoors with Gardening Girl, Julia DeMacos. Um, and I think we had a, a lot of fun and we were growing a lot of uh, cool veggies and indoor uh neat stuff to start in by lights and seeds so definitely take a look back at that show Mm -hmm. Um, lots of wonderful information there yes and she definitely some of the seeds and plants that she mentioned on that show I like the zucchini the container zucchini I actually grew so I really learned a lot from that episode as well because uh you know if you can grow vegetables in containers I think that's a, a not everybody has you know big space to do a lot uh vegetables um, a lot of gardening in. So, uh, so yeah, so do that episode was jam packed uh, regarding seed starting and some unique vegetables and unique things to start. So that was very good. And she did, we had such a good time with her that we did invite her back a couple more times. And I'm positive, even though we haven't started planning next year yet. So that's another thing we guys can help us with too, is well, yes. if you didn't already hear it this past year, what do you want to hear next year? Um, but we'll get, we'll get to that, but uh, yeah. So um <laughs> Um, and then we talked about, so we kind of piggybacked on Julia's talk and did another show on seed starting as well, where I think you were the lead there and you covered a lot. And you said today was a, at school, it was a seed seed day, all about seeds Well, in your teaching today. Yeah, so it's our second last week and um, of school. And so we talk about seeds, we have our quiz, uh, but this time every year I end up with a handful of extra seeds from suppliers who are just returning them. And unfortunately, some companies just throw them out, unfortunately, and yeah, and get rid of them. Uh, And not that there's anything really wrong with it. Uh, So what I like to do is have our little discussion about seeds and I talk about seed packaging and then I flip it on them. Well, what have you brought a seed package to talk about, right? No, oh, well, what about this? And there was a big bag under the Christmas tree. And so I gave away a bunch of those seeds and they were all excited to get growing. and stuff. Oh, that's so, good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a fun day. Always a fun day. Excellent. So yeah. Is this the, yeah. And this is the end of the term or no? Yeah, this is week 13 of 14 for the term. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's nothing but finals next week. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, that is good. The other thing in February that stands out to me, and I think we just did it, we re-released it kind of as a as a past episode, uh, is was the electric cars uh, episode with uh, Tim Burroughs. That was so informative. And I learned a lot. And there's been, you know, it's funny because from February until this, until November, you know, boy has the tide turned on the positivity of you know electric cars and you know things and all the new releases that car all the car companies are saying uh, yeah. you know but then but it definitely also educated me in that it's not a perfect solution um there still is a lot of you know things that need to be sorted through but i think until there's an incentive to drive them then there's then there that's when there's going to be an incentive to fix those you know trying to kind of fix those problems and uh, and stuff so uh, so yeah so i'm I, I that was a very informative show so anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about electric cars tim was just an electric car enthusiast he has had no skin in the game yeah um and uh it, but he was just you know he uh, he would do the local talk you know i kind of found him 
and he he was nervous about doing radio because he normally just presents on PowerPoints to people. Um, but he did great on the show, and I've had friends listen to that too, and say that it was very informative um, and very I'm I'm almost saying very educational. Um, so I learned a lot. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, that show actually today um, because we were talking about the lithium batteries and that whole mm-hmm. issue came up. Um, and I read an article yesterday about um, hemp being used in batteries and um, the way that they I they process it. I forget the, the great details of it, but the way that hemp is processed and can be used in the batteries actually provides eight times more energy than lithium does uh, in the battery. So we'll see wow. how, how that moves with the whole hemp cannabis debate around yes. the world and batteries and everything. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the problem was we never solved the solution because there really wasn't, there was always this demand, like this hesitation for, for people to go all in. So Mm. hopefully there's lots of great minds out there. um, You know, although we won't bring up the whole chip issue that they all dropped the ball on. So hopefully the (laughs) the car companies will be smarter with the battery issue than they were with the chip issue. Uh, But uh, anyway, so I mean, I think for someone who doesn't know anything, which was you and I, right, we Mm -hmm. did not know anything when Tim came on. And so uh, and and like I said, on the show, I'm I was a car girl, my dad worked for General Motors, you know, I knew, you know, about that, but uh, I was really keen to learn more and I'm, I'm still trying to learn more. So, uh, so yeah, so that was a very good uh, kickoff show. For sure. And then we rounded off the month with uh, returning guest Jennifer McGinnis and her new book, Microfood Gardening. So definitely uh, take a look at that and pick up that book. Speaking of books, uh, we've got Katie has written in this evening saying good evening. Hello to Joanne and Matthew. Thanks for the show. Well, thank you for tuning in, Katie. We always appreciate it. Uh, For next year regarding a prize. How about, and in caps, your book. Now that would be a prize. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Katie, uh, as well. And thank you again for tuning in. Um, Yeah, and that's definitely what uh, we will probably be giving away next year's copies of our books. And I know, Joanne, you had some um, other things that you were making for fun, some... um, Oh, the t-shirts. Yeah. 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 We have some (laughs) t-shirts and we'll, we'll do some, I know we didn't really do anything with them, I'm afraid, but uh, we will get better at marketing eventually. But yes, Katie and and everybody, we we do want to let everybody know that we are working. Like we do have a book, like we actually, an editor's working on it now, you know, we have done it. (laughs) Um, You know, there's certainly it, we tried very hard to get it out before Christmas, but we just felt like it, we were rushing it and there were gaps and um, because we actually do have uh, other lives uh, aside from the show and the book. <laughs> so uh, we decided that it was more important that it go out as something we're super, super proud of in the new year versus rushing it and having regrets and getting it out for Christmas. So, um, so hang in there. We will definitely have uh, more to say. Uh, when we, uh, well, you know, even next week, we should know more too. So, uh, so yeah, so thank you, Katie, for bringing that up and um, be, let everybody know that we be assured we are in the midst of it, right? Yes. And thank you for all the listeners who keep writing in and saying, when's your book coming out? When's your book coming out? We do in, uh, enjoy the encouragement and 
uh, the faith that you guys have in us and the enjoyment of the show. So we will definitely be doing merch packages with books and t-shirts and some other fun stuff I'm working on uh, as well, for sure. Excellent. Excellent. March was another good month. I thought we talked about like hardscaping versus landscaping or softscaping. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. installing patios versus trees and shrubs. That's uh, right. So Mac, had to... Matt McFarland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Matt McFarland joined us talking about design. Um, we had Paul from Aquatech Irrigation here in the Durham region. Um, we had Connie uh, Cadet from Garden Retreats talking about pools, which that was one of the hot button issues or one of the uh, things going on with uh, landscape designs this year was just the availability of pools and being able to install. One of the things we were talking about, I think, earlier in the season was also having uh, that chlorine shortage, possibly. Um, and I didn't see too many effects in our area. Did you? Or any of your past? No. Yeah, I didn't have anybody say that there was any issues there um, for myself. So that was good. So hopefully if you had a pool scheduled or you were looking to get a pool designed, uh, you know there's a bit of a wait. And hopefully you were had the wait and you've gotten yours already. But that was also a good show. And then, of course, we had uh, Ernest Williams uh, returning back from Aquascape. talking about, about that. Yes. Yeah. All the wonderful water gardens trends, especially with the trend of that staycation with COVID, everyone kind of enhancing their personal space, making it a little bit more um, enjoyable and lively and interactive. Water features definitely were having a good year for that as well. And whether you were doing just a small bubbling stone or a little water pool out on your your balcony or you know your patio, definitely uh, lots of great tips and tricks there. So check out that one from our March show. Moving through the months, uh, oh, did you want to throw something in there? Or oh, okay, I was going to say because um, April became our lawn care month, a highly anticipated month. And Mike writes in now, "Hello all, anything to do for our lawn here now in the GTA? Our ground is still not really frozen yet. Anything I can do to prep for the spring? You know what? It's kind of that time, Mike, where you know if you haven't put a of fall fertilizer and you can find it, you could, but we're still late for that. Um, but really just kind of prepping it is just kind of staying off the lawn. Just watch for all these leaves right now. It's very windy out as we're getting our cool down here in the GTA. Make sure that the leaves don't mat up and start to blanket out that lawn, rake any of those big piles, but we are good too, unless you're being completely covered in leaves. Just let them be and let them uh, gather for any insects that might be moving around or stirred as we are getting up to eight to 10 degrees where they like to move around or become a little bit more active before they cool off and mm-hmm. let them insulate it because it doesn't look like we're going to have too much snow uh, this year for us in the GTA. They said it's going to be one of those give or takes or take or I know give. it's one of those years though. They get, it depends on who you hear. Some people say it's going to be really bad. So I don't know. I think we just have to wait and see. I um, think so too. Now, is it, can we do like an organic, like you said, if we can, because the problem is stores kind of put that stuff away to make room for salt and, and call the Christmas stuff. But if you have some, like, I know we really strongly recommend the, the organic one because it breaks down so slowly. Like, I don't think we want, right, a synthetic one that's going to green it up really fast. Yeah, we want something that's just going to just be organic, let the soil activity break it down and slowly work it into the fall or, or sorry, into the ground next spring. 
yeah. Okay. If we get that warm up, we might see some a little bit of dissolving. But the now isn't really the super main time. Our fall is going to feed it. It's going to be more so a little bit in the fall, but again more in April and March when it's wet, and okay. we don't want to get too much there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say just mulching, like if the leaves, because more le lots of leaves came down late. So yeah. if there's still leaves on your lawn, then, you know, just run the lawnmower over them a, a bit more to kind of break them down into the ground, you know, versus leaving them to, you know, whole to, you I mean, it's fine if you can't get them and they're whole, but if you can, if you're looking for something to do, <laughs> then that's one thing you can do, right? Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. So there, there you go, Mike. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about seeds back in uh, when we were talking about February. So Pedro has written in and he's, uh, he's asking us, what is meant by heirloom seed? Yeah, an heirloom seed. Um, oh, I sorry, I switched the thing to see the email. Pedro, my apologies, Pedro. Yeah, the heirloom seed, those are seeds of genetic material which have been around um, for several decades. Long original um, species or varieties that basically uh, hang out that are open pollinated. So they're open pollinated to the to the air, uh, just whatever comes by, bees, whatever. Uh, and then the resulting plants just basically mature and they give you that next true to seed type thing. So they're not a hybrid or anything like that. They're always going to return back year after year. So usually with heirloom about modern, we tend to think about like our grandmother's tomatoes or things like that, or mm -hmm. um, something that's even older recently, they found, um, I forget what it was, but there was a jar they found in a tomb or an, an ancient village-like setting. It was like a clay pot, had some breathability, and they had some, I thought it was a type of um, a herb, and I'm going to totally forget the name. Anyways, they carbon dated it to 5,000 years old, and wow. uh, they've regenerated it, and it's coming back, and it's one of those heirloom or those original varieties from way back when. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So nothing's so, been tweaked, right? Or hybridized and nothing's been altered or modified. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah. And then it, they're always expected to those seeds be back to the original seed. So their seeds are going to come true or expected to become true to whatever the parent plant was. Okay. Yeah. So you know that if you're, you know, if you're doing the King Tut purple pea, you're always going to get a King Tut purple pea. So that's but with the hybrids, that's not always the case, right? Right. Yeah. Sometimes the hybrids, they won't um, give you, like they may not give you a seed that's viable. They might give you a seed. They won't give you the seed that's going to be true to the parents as well, necessarily. Um, usually the hybrids won't. They'll always cross and then they'll become something else. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that, Pedro, hopefully that helps to explain. I mean, it, that whole thing is that really genetics and that the whole science behind that is pretty intense. So yeah, you kind of have all the plants crossbreed and give you new seeds every year. And some of them are only available in seed. And yeah. 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 So it's a big thing, but yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, another question Ron has written in. Hi, what does the term girdling mean? in horticulture thank you um so yeah ron girdling usually means that it for example like a tree root it could happen to a shrub or a perennial the roots will wrap around um, itself and choke the tree or choke the plant or damage the plant because it's wrapped around and it starts to girdle or choke or suffocate by cutting off or growing into 
uh, the phloem and the xylem on the trunk and prevent that flow of sap and basically will damage the tree or, and or kill the tree. So if it's completely girdled and it's cut off the circulation, the tree or shrub or plant uh, will die. But sometimes you can see partially girdled where the roots are wrapping around either other roots or the trunk and it'll suffocate or damage that plant material uh, and it'll go. So yeah, that's one of the big concerns with um, you know, planting trees in pots or bald and burlapped. Uh, when they're stuck in that shape or that container or that form for a long time, the roots basically just spin in, in place and eventually they just spin on the top of each other and, and cut off everything and die and go. It is sad. So that's why you always get that, you know, teasing your roots out, um, you know, make sure that they're not spinning in a circle. So they girdle or they become compact or they just are feeding from that one space. It helps encourage them get out. But yeah. Would that also apply to, um, you know, sometimes people leave on, actually, you see this more than often, yes. you know, when trees are staked and they, they have the wire on them. Um, and, yeah. and the tree and they never take so though that that's only meant to, to to be on for the first maybe two seasons right but after that and that's a controversial thing to begin with but um but often you you come by and you see that the the the, the wrap has is like the tree has grown and kind of you know it's girdling is that also an a, a, a appropriate term yes that would or be use it. of the term yeah, that would be a perfect, yes. I was thinking very biological, but yes, yes. If you think abiotic or man, definitely. Yeah, you can girdle that into the tree. So yeah, your little okay. tree ties, you leave it too many seasons and it just kind of chokes it off and the cells still divide, but those cells underneath just break that connection. Yeah, and I've even seen the white tree wrap. Like you see yeah. a tree and then you, you look closely and you're like, what's in that, you know, and it's like you see a chunk of the white tree wrap and it's, and it's just like the tree, not, it's not going to stop the tree from growing like the tree's going to win. So right. um, that's something to keep in mind. And even for your city trees, like I think lots of times people and that's been the case people think oh the city will come back and fix that. And they don't. And, you know, it, it hurts the tree. So um, so please, if you see that happening, either call the city or just deal with it yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the misconceptions too. Uh, selling them in the garden center because it's so flexible and open on like you can move it when you're in your hand. And it feels because it's like that coil or spring like it would open when the tree grows and it doesn't. Um, so you have to take it if you need it for like rabbits or to protect something that's great but you have to take it off and then redo it and eventually the tree will outgrow it anyway so yeah other things so yeah 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 definitely yeah. good point for sure for sure yes. so um so we have another question thanks everybody for these questions um steward wrote in uh hello this may be a very silly question for you but are there actually any weeds that are good for your lawn or garden plants just curious about that as everyone I know spends a ton of time getting rid of weeds. Well, not the kind that you smoke anyway. <laughs> so very funny. Uh, yeah, it's, it is true. We spend a lot of time and effort and money, right? Um, trying to get rid of weeds. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to me, lawn, it's like usually a tri-culture, but it's almost like that monoculture thing, right? So none of them, there's the debate about dynamic accumulators that you know certain weeds or certain plants will drop nutrients and then as they die or they'll emit them into the soil um, for other plants or other nearby plants for them to absorb the outside of that is there anything really beneficial the weed is doing my 
the way I look at it is those weeds are going to give you biodiversity, which will bring in like, for example, clover and dandelions. They're one of those early things. We've got a lot of beneficial bees, brown bees beyond just the honeybees, um, but mason bees that are out super early, leaf cutters that are out super early, uh, insects that are just looking for a food source. So they're beneficial in the way that they're going to encourage that biodiversity, that pollination, uh, and, you know, grow that, that um, I want to say food web, but, um, you know, that, that, Nature well, web, just, you know what I'm yeah, looking for? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, just helping with pollination, really. Yeah, and yeah. that's the main That's the main thing. And we just like that manicured lawn. And it's just basically going to be a Sad. food source as, yeah. as things wake up. That's going to be your your main benefit, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Outside of that, I mean, you if you get a lot of people are planting that clover in the lawn. And again, it's that drought and that heat resistance where we grow a lot of cool season grasses. So if you're, you know, you go away or you're in an area with watering restrictions, those weeds would, you know, give you that appearance of that green lawn from far away. But when you're up close, you could definitely see those weeds. So that might be another one, depending on your stance of where you sit, sit with lawns versus gardening mm -hmm. and repurposing a lawn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and this could be a whole show, Stuart, but yeah. um, the other <laughs> issue is there's some people that say some of those, some of the weeds have some nutritional value. Like we hear about the dandelion leaves, uh, purslane, <laughs> you know, a few different things that are kind of nutritious and, and worth worth harvesting versus getting rid of the weeds in your garden so so um so that that's a whole thing i think um i think you have to be really knowledgeable about it and um you know trustworthy that no chemical you know what i mean that yeah you know that kind of thing you have to go you know so um so yeah so i don't know i don't know if that answers your question but uh, <laughs> I, I think people just need to kind of chillax a little bit and and know that we're you know the the goal of having a perfect lawn um is is just it's futile kind of thing and i think well i think at least the one thing about all those weeds is for the most part they all stay green so yeah. usually in in the heat of august they're the weeds are green and the lawn is dormant so yeah so i, I think and same with the cleaning up at the end of the you know we can go on and about that about things that people's expectations and reality um, are sometimes a little far apart. So, um, so yeah, so I think if everybody just takes a chill and just cut the lawn and don't, you know, worry about it too, too much, um, you know, yeah. but I mean, am I picking weeds out of my garden, out of my lawn? Yes, I am. So, you know, don't mean to be hypocritical, but, uh, <laughs> you know, things, especially things that are super invasive, like, um, crab Charlie, grass. crabgrass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I'm one of your uh, dandelion eaters. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> and plantain eaters. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, you know what I did? I read about plantain that it actually is uh, medicinal too. And I have, so speaking of weeds, I've got, what's the weed that's stinging nettle? Mm -hmm. So now, I now know what it looks like. So I know <laughs> now. So obviously seeds have landed in my yard. So I've had it in pots. I've had it in the garden. And I've read that, and so I have used it, and it actually works. So yeah. they say to use that to crush it, and, and on a cut or a sting, um, that it actually has med medicinal. And everybody knows what plantain leaves look like in the, as a weed. And uh, yeah, a little hostile-looking one. Yeah, yeah, it's got, it sends up like a little green. Yeah. So a green anyway, spikes. So you know. Yeah, that one's a great one. And yeah, if you just chew some of those leaves and then put it on like a cut or a burn or 
like a bee sting, it like sucks the toxins and kind of heals that area. And then if you ingest it completely, it actually has those benefits for your uh, digestive tract as well. There you go. Maybe we need to do a whole show on weeds, not weed, but we, we, we have those can we have cannabis shows, which we, we might want to redo another one. We haven't done one in a while, but maybe we do need a whole show on weeds and, uh, and go from there. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> I agree. And just before I jump in with that kind of half way mark, um, I had a tea bag of dandelion tea and they always come with a, a quote and the quote on it was, what is the difference between a flower and a weed? A judgment. Ah, so I thought that was pretty good. Anyways, good. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. And we had another wonderful year filled with fantastic, knowledgeable guests. So a quick shout out to all of our past guests. Thank you so much for joining us um, and sharing your passion and your knowledge with all of our wonderful listeners who turn in every week. Don't forget, you can also spend more time with us down the garden path. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners and where you're from and what is happening in your gardens. Don't forget, you can also reach us here in studio 101 at gmail.com. Our wonderful producer, Gary, uh, always gets us the mail. And you can also find us via our website. You can find Joanne at downthenumber2earth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. Whew! That was a lot. That was always a lot. It took so <laughs> long that, that we have three questions. Bob has written in some really good questions for me. Uh, boy, Bob, you've been paying attention. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, okay. So, okay. His, his want to know questions for Joanne. Joanne, why do you hate yellow flowers? Why does Joanne hate burlap? And any more cardboard projects at the curb? Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas, Bob. Um, so, yeah. So, I was like, hate hey, a strong word. I just, <laughs> I, I just, they're just not my preference. Um, the, you know, Black Eyed Susan, like all the more popular ones, Black Eyed Susan's, the different um, Coreopsis. I mean, those flowers, I don't know. I just, I'm just not a fan of them. Uh, I much prefer the pinks and purples and, and reds and blues. And so yellow is so far, like I haven't run out, right? Um, that being said, things like unusually, like I do love yellow foliage. So my gut, my mm. gold cut leaf elder, my gold um, mops, uh, um, uh, well, uh, thread leaf cypress, yep. chemicaparis. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, I do love, I planted with a client, a customer nine years ago, I looked it up and, uh, but they're <laughs> in my neighborhood and we planted a yellow bird magnolia. So mm. you don't, you know, you see magnolias, but you don't often see yellow. So, 
So yeah, so I think if it's something unusual, uh, and I'm actually fine with daffodils in the spring. So, um, oh. so yeah, I know, surprisingly, right? Um, so yeah, so I just, I just, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but there's not like, it's not even just the color, like I think the actual, there's no yellow, like perennial that has a yellow flower that, I mean, even, um, I, I don't mind and I put it in gardens. Oh my goodness, was Ligularia. Um, yep. But to me, I put it in for the foliage. It's got yeah. such a cool, funky foliage that the yellow, you know, to me, that flower is really, meh, you know, so, um, so yeah, so there's my honest answer. Sorry, I took too long on that. Um, <laughs> I definitely do not hate burlap. I just burlapped my Japanese maple uh, today. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it has its purpose, I think, for protecting Japanese maples, for protecting something for their first year, but to constantly every year wrap uh, your evergreens. I feel like, you know, that's why we put evergreens in gardens is for their winter interest. So to wrap them in burlap um, for no reason and, and cover things um, just because the marketing people um, at a company want to sell you more burlap. So, so that's, you know, my take. It, it definitely serves a purpose and it definitely things should be protected, especially for the first year or two. Um, but then once established, you shouldn't need it. Um, and no more cardboard projects at the curb. No, I mean, I'm planning on doing a little bit about that in our upcoming book, hopefully. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, I, I don't need to do it anymore. I have encouraged other people to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I still think it's a great, I've introduced introduced it to a lot of clients who are a bit more DIY and want to take the projects on themselves or don't have access to, you know, removing a lot of uh, the sod. So yeah. Thank you, Bob, for your questions. Yes, those were great questions. Those were great questions. That could be almost come a whole segment is like those quick fire questions. The yes. quick fire questions of the week are... <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. That's right. And Francis has written in one for you, Matt. Um, and this is definitely in the book because we talked about it too, right? Uh, can you please yeah. explain the three numbers on the fertilizer bags? And and just so everybody knows, it's not just on bags. Even if you are buying like houseplant fertilizer, liquid houseplant, there's three numbers on it, right? Uh -huh. uh, any flowering fertilizer. So basically any fertilizer for any plant material has those have three those, numbers. Yeah. And so those three numbers, you'll see them if you're reading left to right, um, are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And they're, they're the three main uh, macronutrients that all plants need uh, to grow and survive. Not that there isn't a whole other group uh, that a lot of them like in, in bigger or smaller quantities, but those are the three, three main ones. And there's an easy way you can remember them is by what each number does. So from left to right again, the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and each one does up, down, and all around. So nitrogen deals with green growth, cellular division. Uh, it gives you that nice growth above the ground uh, or anything to do with growing. We need some nitrogen for it. Phosphorus is down. So it fattens up the roots, encourages them to grow and feed and store carbohydrates uh, for going over the winter. But it also has a good playing part in uh, flower parts. So building and stitching those ovaries uh, and those components in the flower. So that's why you'll see like the blossom fertilizer, like, uh, the, or the, you know, the blooming fertilizer, where it's like a 15-30-15. We've got that extra fertilizer in the phosphorus, sorry, uh, to get her blooming. And then all around your potassium uh, or your K 
because it's also NPK or the elemental short forms. Uh, it has to do with the overall immune system. So it's basically like our vitamin C, I always like equate it to. So it fortifies the cells, uh, increases the heat resistance, the cold resistant, the drought resistant, but it also encourages uh, or the efficiency or increases the efficiency of a root's ability to uh, absorb some nutrients. So it helps with the digestion. If we go look at humans, increases the, the transfer of those nutrients from the soil solution and into the roots. So yeah, up, down, all around for our NPK. Excellent. Up, down, all <laughs> around. Well, that yeah. is great. Um, so we want to just review back to like the past year, we were just talking about it. And yeah. our shows, I mean, we, I think we should definitely mention our, our show in May was Garden Fitness with Dr. Jeffrey Smith, who's your mm -hmm. chiropractor. Yes. So, yeah, so that was very informative. He gave us as a, as a new gardener himself. So he was very keen to kind of learn from us and uh, share his wisdom about um, taking care of our body while, while gardening. Um, yeah. And then for June, July, and, and August, we definitely had um, plant themes. And I think, I think our listeners, we, and we'd love to hear from you if, if you, whether it's during the show or even after the show, if you liked that, if you liked that we focused on a specific perennial. Um, so June was perennials, July was shrubs and August was flowering trees. If you liked that, if you want us to be more general, uh, that type of thing, if you have, or if there's a variety of, of a perennial shrub or tree that uh, we didn't talk about yet and you want to know more about then we would love to hear that too right Matt yeah exactly um, and I think we we have a couple uh, that we picked up from there but yeah we would always love to know what you're looking for as far as what plants that you would like to grow and I mean we're very zone five uh, zone 5B, 6A kind of thing here in the GTA, depending on where you are. So we don't get to see a lot of, you know, like those zone three specific plants for mm -hmm. our listeners in cooler climates or anything like zone seven and up for those who are, you know, in the States or further South. So, I mean, even something like that, don't be shy to, you know, yell out and mm -hmm. say, let's take a look there. Yeah. yeah, we had some great shows with lots of popular, I mean, we talked about hydrangeas, perennial geraniums, a lot of the classic tree shrubs uh, and perennials for sure. for sure. We definitely, and the other thing we had sporadically through, I noticed we did one in May and one in August was um, your, much like today's show, your questions are answers kind of thing. So I, I think those are fun. Those are fun to do, right? Yes. So I, I think we should do more of those. But again, I, I shout out to our listeners. Um, <laughs> we just love living by the seat of our pants where we never know what questions are going to come up. But, uh, but, you know, sometimes doing a whole show and we don't cover the thing, the one or two things that you're really wondering about. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I do love those, um, those shows. What about you? Do you like them? I do. Cause we get to connect with our listeners and mm -hmm. really see what they're thinking about and their issues in their gardens and yeah we love doing it for them so we love that you guys get lots of cool information or uh get some great interest uh out of those shows like tonight um speaking of uh holly has written in and says hi i have a question for you regarding ph 
Um, so this is one of those topics that we touch on mm -hmm. here or there, but a great question as well. Uh, I had my soil tested this past summer for the pH level. It was very high. However, I received all types of opinions to fix it and no one seems to agree on the solution. What is the best way to lower the pH of a lawn and garden? I will listen to your advice. <gasps> the pressure is on. Pressure is on. It's all <laughs> you. <laughs> give me a drink. Um, <laughs> no, um, the best way is you can find um, dolomitic lime. Um, it's going to, or sorry, I'm going the reverse. Is to keep it neutral. Um, what you want to do is something like uh, an elemental sulfur, like an aluminum sulfur or just a gardening sulfur, and that will lower your pH, whereas others, lime will, will rise your pH. So yeah, so Holly, if you uh, add or mix in some of that elemental sulfur, or you'll often see it, uh, garden salt, not garden sulfur and like chemical wall, but like um, just like an elemental uh, lower your pH kind of sulfur or aluminum sulfate. You can also sometimes see it labeled on depending on who's branding it. That will help lower the pH of your soil. Watch out um, um, to like expecting like a, such an immediate thing. It'll take a little bit for that soil to lower its pH steadily. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be an overnight thing. The other way you can do it too is uh, your peat moss. Peat moss is also slightly acidic and you could add some peat moss. Joanne and I don't really like adding peat moss into the garden and she's like, oh my God. But it yeah. is one of <laughs> if those. If you have it, yeah, if you have it, but if you don't, don't buy it. Yes, uh, there you go. It is available for garden centers and it is a very low pH. So if you needed to, if it was like affecting some plant health and you needed to drop it, you could do either one of those. I prefer to add the sulfur and then just keep your organics good with a good compost and keep that soil healthy and it should balance out and lower down. So there are a couple of ways, but those are what you're yeah. going to find out basically for your homeowners. Right, yeah. right. Um, quick question about gypsum. So my arborist knows my garden needs said diagnosed that I needed some gypsum, some some of the stuff that was happening on some of my trees. And uh, so is that something? Do you do you know what that? And I should know because I've asked them to do it. But <laughs> they treated my lawn and garden with gypsum, and I, I know it's something to do with neutralizing the salt in the winter. Yes, and usually that's what it tends to be is removing some of those heavier salts and making those transfer sites for those cations and those elements a little bit more available for your um, for your plant. And then you can get rid of some of those heavier elements, have others reconnect and slightly change that pH as well, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I right. Found... So that's, that's a great question very much. Thank you very much, Holly. Yeah, and it is also a sulfate as well. So it, it shouldn't raise it, it should slightly lower it as well. And it's also natural, et cetera. It's also really often used for breaking up really compacted soils as well. So it can help if you've got a really heavy like clay loam or something like that too. Okay, yeah. okay. excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, no, I think that was a great question. Yes, and, thank you uh, so much. Yeah, so that's our, our summer. So we're talking about low maintenance perennials, popular shrubs and flowering trees. Um, we really enjoyed that. And, and so everybody knows that we did something similar. This was 2021. We did something similar in 2020. So if you did miss 
um, you know, the, those shows would be really go, good to go back and listen to, um, you know, the perennial month. We talked about different perennials, the, you know, the shrubs, we talked about different shrubs, that type of thing. So, um, so yeah, so everybody uh, give a shout out to actually our 2020 season as well. <laughs> Um, and we tried for September to be asked the experts, but we had a harder time kind of like, <laughs> you know, making it perfect. Right, Matt? So what was happening in September? We did. We did. Um, you know what? We started again with one of those summer grab bags uh, of, you know, those questions. But then we also had autumn edibles with uh, Julia DeMacos returning. Uh, so we talked about setting up a fall garden for a fall harvest or a winter harvest. Uh, and then I think it was Bob who was talking about um, projects at the curb. We talked about lasagna gardening and layering mm -hmm. all those things and keeping them uh, breaking down and, and what that looked like. And then we rounded out. Um, I think we had also a repeat in there, actually. Um, but well, then, I think we did for Labor Day. Yeah. So we yeah, did. So I was just yes, trying to remember yeah. what that was. <laughs> and then we called our September question and answer just a September uh, grab bag. So, yeah, so we did repeat it. So, yeah, every few months, like, I think it helps, right? Because I think you have questions and everybody's at a different stage in their garden. Yes. Agreed. Right? Always like new and different levels of experience and, and everyone's in different places in their gardening journey. Yeah, so for sure, for sure. And then we had October, moving through October. I can't believe it seems like it was just yesterday, just yesterday. Uh, but we were talking, we were going to aim for a little bit of our climate change, uh, but we kind of went into more of our garden center and a closer look at some of our, our gardens where we talked about uh, protecting our roses. We did a pre-record uh, there. We started with October in the garden and then jumped into uh, talking about roses and the different types of roses and protecting the roses. We also had Guy join us from Blue Star Nursery out in Windsor talking about garden center operations. That was a fabulous show mm -hmm. uh, as well, kind of giving all of our listeners an inside look at all the stuff that has to happen at a garden center to pull off a successful year and uh, what it really takes, all that work behind it. And then we came into uh, garden insect concerns where we were talking about one of the biggest pests for uh, this year for sure. I mean, we've always had the Japanese beetles and they're constantly spreading, uh, but we had the LDD moth appear. So previously known as the gypsy moth. The gypsy moth, one, yes. Yeah. Right? Um, um, but then re kind of, well, not renamed. They just went with the botanical, is it, or not, it's not botanical name. What's the, the, yeah, like the species name species yeah. name of yeah. the moth um, yeah so um so and i think everybody was so caught up in the impact that they were having right then right so we had you know recommended you know btk and there were lots of tricks to kind of um you know doing duct tape around your tree or doing duct tape and burlap to kind of prevent them from going up the tree and eating the tree um so for the most part trees that, that were affected did rebound um, especially the deciduous ones in that one season, in the same mm -hmm. season. Um, but I think there are some things that, you know, were less talked about was the damage to evergreens. Yeah. And they don't recover as quickly. And then that has really led to uh, an issue for if anybody looking at buying uh, Chris, uh, real Christmas trees or the boughs and branches and stuff like that, the evergreen branches for their urns, realizing that the, um, I noticed the price has gone up 
a little bit, <coughs> excuse me, and the, the quantity you get is, is less. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that's really affected uh, the harvests for those companies, uh, or not those farms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, have that widespread effect, the economic impact on all of those farms and those forest users and those, those trees that we have there for harvest, um, for sure. For sure. So we've have seen the Christmas boughs go up, shortages of some of the Christmas trees, some of our evergreens and our gardens and our outdoor green spaces um, are devastated are, and are yeah. to a point destroyed. And that affects more than just the tree because all those trees, right, outside of the economic value, those trees are still homes for insects and birds and part mm -hmm. of the overall web, right? So yeah, it That's has right. a huge impact and as much as we like that warmer weather and I mean in Canada especially we get that ice we really do rely on that ice and that cold winter for some of the that overwintering insect control as part of our garden and we did not get that that last year yeah um, so or the last couple of years actually last couple so, of years, so you know that that really shows that the insects this then just gain strength and gain in numbers and you know, we really rely on the winter, the cold to kill a lot of that, uh, a lot of those uh, uh, damaging insects, not necessarily yeah. the beneficial insects, you know, the beneficial insects are meant, you know, they can survive our winters, but uh, it's some of the, the um, foreign, is that the best word, foreign and uh, foreign species and stuff like that, that are new, that yeah. won't be able to stand, you know, if we had a decent winter, uh, wouldn't be able to survive it. So, um, so yeah, so we learned a lot. So if you're curious about that episode and you missed it, um, that explains a lot about, um, and we'll know the true damage, I think next year, because evergreens will reproduce, will recover a little bit, but mm. they, they certainly aren't going to recover um, as quickly as the deciduous trees did. And we're hoping that that's one reason I kind of hope we get a better winter. Um, yes. And that yes. Um, we don't have to face that again next year. Because yeah. they, the trees can keep recovering every year, you know, that with that much damage. So, so that is something and uh, yeah, and it was, it was a lot of fun talking with a uh, guy about his nursery and especially we wanted to give a shout out to independent nurseries, um, you know, that, that the pandemic has been very hard and we really want our listeners to support their local independent nurseries and garden centers. Um, you know, the variety, the knowledge, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the place to go. Um, you know, so much more limited at the big box stores. And, um, and the, for the most part, those stores also are the local places are supporting local growers too, right? Mm. So, uh, so there's a whole economy behind them. So, uh, so please, Shout out to please support your local uh, garden center or nursery. Agreed. Agreed. A few listener questions, Pabarian, uh, but we're right almost at the end. So if you've just missed this last past month, uh, we talked about our authors and a little bit of more of growing inside. We had Leslie Halleck and Jan Johnson celebrating their new or latest books, mm. Tiny Plants and Floratopia, respectively. Uh, Joe Salemi joined us from Landscape Ontario, really gave us kind of an inside look on uh, that industry and that organization that, you know, supports um, all your contractors and your landscape designers and what it, it takes to be a member of the Landscape Ontario or, or your, uh, you know, your municipal or your state uh, gardening government, governing body for that industry. Uh, we had David's Air Plant Corner from with mm -hmm. David Lynn. Uh, fantastic. Jump on their Facebook to see uh, Dave's, uh, Dave's Air Plant Corner with David Lynn. 
Uh, and then just last week we had Sarah's Battersby. Oh, Joanne has got some plants. Perfect. She's I did. Her- I bought some plants from Dave. I bought some. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. It was very easy. Um, so yeah, so definitely high, highly recommend. I think they'd make great gifts too. I really do. Yes. So uh, shout out to Dave's Plant Corner. And yes, the other gift, great gift idea, which is a segue into what we're talking about next week. But we yes. will just mention that we had Sarah Battersby, one half of the <laughs> Battersby sisters, Sarah and Helen, uh, write the uh, Gardener's Journal. That's right, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, so definitely tune into those shows. And I'm sure they'll make our lists for next week's show. Uh, we're talking gift ideas for 2022 for The Gardener. Joanne's kind of mm-hmm. giving me a look across Zoom. So mm-hmm. that might be our recorded one. But uh... No, no, that, that's <laughs> okay. great. And I have lots of ideas. <laughs> yeah, good. my newsletter that went out this month, my December newsletter. So some of the some of the books, you know, definitely uh, uh, um, some of the books that we've, you know, the authors that we've talked about, I re- definitely recommend those as gifts. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I have got lots of ideas for gifts for gardeners uh, for next week's show. So if you, uh, you know, last minute shopping, <laughs> yes. well, there's always some good ideas. So, uh, so and questions we can have. Again, it can be another episode where we answer your questions. Um, and as we wind down, Gwen is asking another very good question about um, is mulch and compost the same thing? If not, what is the difference between the two? Thank you for your explanation. Oh, you're waiting for me to do that. Okay. <laughs> I can add. Do you want me to answer? No, I no, can answer. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, mulch is, is usually something like a, a shredded cedar or a shredded wood. Hopefully it's natural. It's not dyed. It doesn't have large chunks because you can get some pretty dangerous palette pieces depending on there, but just a fine layer of usually of some organic material, uh, like again, shredded cedar or even shredded leaves. Um, And it can actually even be a compost to act as a mulch. And what that mulch does is it protects the soil level below. So it protects the soil from the wind and the sun, from from desiccating, from eroding and drying out all the nutrients and damaging the biome in there. A compost is broken down organic matter. So it can be composted leaves. It goes through a process uh, process where you know it's heated up and microorganisms, different bacterias, different temperatures and phases uh, break down living material into a humus or almost soil-like material. It can you can can top dress it usually as a mulch. I don't like to just because then you you lose that layer. You're that nice benefit there. You're you're losing that to it. Uh, but you can definitely do it. But uh, yeah, so the compost is just something, a living organic soil filled with, and it's not actually soil, it's soilless, uh, but that living organic humus that's going to release its nutrients slowly into the soil and feed those plants and those microorganisms can help rebuild the soil uh, underneath. And you can mix it in with your soil and top dress. Or again, you could also, if you had, for example, a shaded spot or some not as windy or sunny, you could top dress it and just uh, minimize that erosion and stuff. So mulch can be, yeah, anything to protect the soil surface, including a compost. And so compost is broken down organic material to help feed the soil and the biome within the soil itself and improve the texture and structure. Yeah, and I would say that, um, like, if you're looking at them, that was a great explanation. Like, I think even though compost isn't soil, it looks more like soil, right? It's it does, soil-like. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> um, whereas the mulch 
is definitely woody and and uh, and we definitely don't. I mean, you you see them all the time. You know, the red mulch, the black mulch, the dyed mulches, um, and as Matt said, you know, those tend to be shredded things not nutritious not like it's like big max for didn't we have uh, dave our one of our arborists on who said it was yeah. like big max for for the garden you know it's just shredded pallets or shredded pressure treated wood and and you know so there's not so that's what that dry yicky wood absorbs the the dyes so well so that's why they're used as opposed to like the nutritious um shredded like cedars and and i love composted pine mulch they're mm. much more uh, they're much more moist and you can see that, you know, dye wouldn't really stick to them. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so definitely one um, keeps it when, you know, keeps it dry, like you said, helps control weeds to a certain point, both of them would do that as well. So that, again, could be a whole show. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you, Gwen. That was a great question. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, as we quickly run to the end, um, just to quickly, Blaine has also just written in uh, so many, okay, opinions, so many of them, which one, the best place to establish your garden? Is it in the ground, raised beds, or containers? I'm so confused. And really, Blaine, it comes down to what you're growing. Mm -hmm. um, if you're growing perennial material, you definitely want the protection uh, and the biodiversity of being in the ground. But if you're going to grow annuals, some perennials, but again, they're best over winter in the ground, depending on where you're from, Blaine. Uh, but vegetables and annuals, things that aren't really hardy, especially for our area, definitely do well raised in containers uh, or raised beds. And the raised beds can be built right into the ground, and it could be just a couple layers of a uh, you know, a brick wall or a precast form wall that, you know, goes into the ground as well. So depends on really what you're planting. Mm -hmm. Anything perennial, definitely hit the ground. More annual veggies, they're great to move around in decorative containers uh, or have them planted in raised beds where that freeze thaw can kind of kill them or damage them. Yeah, and definitely send us, if you want to, a more specific answer to you, whatever you want to grow, then, then yeah. just send us an email, let us know what, specifically what you want to grow, and we will definitely get back to you and let you know where uh, we suggest you would have the best luck. So thank you, everybody. Again, we would love your feedback on uh, what you'd like to hear from us next year, what your favorite was this year, wouldn't we? We, we, we really would. We are going to start planning in the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, we're working hard on the book, uh, make sure, and that will also help us what you want to make sure we want to, this book is for you guys. So we want to make sure we've covered everything in the book. So anything times you add for things in the podcast, you know, that definitely doesn't overflow in our thinking for the book. So, um, we can't add too much. So don't give us too many ideas, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, we definitely want to, the book is for you guys. The book is to help new gardeners keep their gardens as low maintenance as possible. That's right. And with that, we end in our, one of our last shows. Thank you, everyone. Last shows this year. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in here live. Thank you again if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, but thank you definitely for tuning in here, uh, joining us this evening here on Reality Radio 101. Uh, you are listening to Down the Garden Path. Uh, enjoy your fabulous week. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.